love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. I'm Haley Chura. I'm I'm actually broadcasting from Bozeman, Montana for the first time in a month. That feels good to be back. And I'm joined by Alyssa Gadeski. Alyssa, are you still in Vermont? Haley, I am. And I st- it still feels weird. I think I'm still like getting used to saying that I'm in Vermont. But yes, I am at home in Vermont. No major mouse updates for this week. We continue to catch some mice. I have to go to the hardware store tomorrow and get a few more supplies. We're like... I think chasing them around. So we're like, you know, blocking one place and then they're moving to another and then blocking. So we're like, eventually you're going to like find all the places, right? So, so um, you caught some, you had, that's a big update. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We've definitely been catching some. <laughs> the, there's so you a big old mouse family living really? in West Fairly, Vermont. Yeah. So, um, but every time I like come home and I know the house has been quiet, I'm like, but like Max usually warns me because one of them's like under the kitchen sink, you know, right now. And so he'll like wake up and press his nose and he's like, like sniffing so hard under the kitchen sink. And I'm like, oh God, we got one. So I'm like, then I know not to open it and pretend I didn't see it first. <laughs> Gosh. Um, so you have all the traps set out. Those we little- have the traps set out and I just need to go get some more like stuff to be blocking steel off wool. the steel wool, steel some wool. like foam situation. So uh, but it's um, increasing my tolerance for things, I guess. <laughs> it does not increase my tolerance. I just, I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know. I still am super afraid. And I, yeah, I was very lucky that um, my dad helped me out a little bit while I was gone and like set some traps and stuff. And because my, the crawl space, I have a joining wall crawl space and that's what I've I actually tried to pay for an exterminator to go into my neighbor's, (laughs) my neighbor's crawl space, because I'm very, I'm very convinced they're coming through there. And, um, but my neighbor, like, it's a long story. The exterminator refused to wear a mask. My neighbors wouldn't let them in without that. And so it didn't happen anyway. Thank you for our, um, uh, lovely service people who don't like to provide service, but (laughs) now I've just become the exterminator. I'm doing my best, but it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's like maybe the price you pay for living in a really nice place. Yeah. I think it's just the price we pay for having, um, a little bit of country country life, which we want. So that's okay. But Haley, I do have a fun, um, announcement to tell our listeners. So people I'm doing an Instagram giveaway this week. I haven't even posted it yet. So it's not even something as a recording that's up, but by our, by the time we drop this podcast, I will hold myself to post it. So Haley, People can go to my Instagram. I'm totally plugging myself here, but noon hydration is doing, um, a fundraiser for little Bella's mountain biking, which, um, if people remember this summer episodes of summer, I talked about how I was helping mentor some of the girls in the little Bella's program here in, I actually did the program in New Hampshire. Um, and where it is girls like middle school age, Uh, and you take them out on mountain bikes for once a week or so, and just get more girls riding bikes and more girls having fun on bikes. And it was super, super fun. And noon teamed up with, um, Sarah true and Leah Davidson 
and they're doing this big fundraiser and then noon is going to match up to $5,000 that is raised for little Bella's, which is awesome. So I'm trying to help get like, you know, any, any push that I can. And so I was digging around the house and Haley, I found a very, um, exclusive item that I own. Um, <laughs> I hope it's not a taxidermied mouse. <laughs> Like, that's what I like to think of right now. No mice, no mouse giveaways with this. So, that'd be awful. Um, so I found five remaining Wandlin hats that I made for my Pacers and Crews from my New Hampshire 48 FKT that I ran this summer. Um, very, you know, one time only I make these, I print these hats when I'm doing an FKT and then they are forever just that's the amount very exclusive. And so I have five more. And so, oh my God, Max, literally, can you hear this? Max just changed my feet and he's throwing up, right? Oh no. no. Oh no. He's going to throw up on our pajamas. Go, here, pause. we can pause over. He, paused, he threw up. Max, are you okay? We can pause. Oh. If, do you need to clean it up? Is it because he ate a mouse? I think he ate like a pineapple or something. <laughs> I think we can go on. Guys, don't eat that. Don't eat that. Okay, go back to bed. You guys are doing so good. Thanks for coming and showing me throw up. So, all right. Well, that was exciting. So, um, no. All right, we're good. I just threw a dirty sweatshirt over it. So, um, anyway, everyone, just the joys of living real life here. Um, I found these five hats. Noon hydration is is helping with this fundraiser. So I'm going to get five people a Wandlin hat and two tubes of noon hydration. And all you have to do is donate $5 or more to the campaign. I'll post the link on my Instagram and then just comment on my reel. Maybe I'll make a reel or at least a post about this content or giveaway. Just comment and say, I did it. And I'm not even going to check. So if you only want to donate $2, if that's all you have, that's okay. But I'm asking for $5 or more. So donate to that. And then I'm going to randomly pick five people and those five people will get it. So you got to play to win people go okay, check out my so Instagram. It's, it's a random drawing, but that's a good deal. I mean, cause any of those things cost more than $5. So if yeah, you only right? donate, made $5 and then you win and then you get, um, two tubes of noon and a hat, that's a pretty great deal. So, so you're going to choose randomly from the posts, the things that people post on. Yeah. They the, just have like to the, comment and say, yeah. I don't care what you comment. Say, I say, yay, little Bella say. Okay. Go, I mean, well, they need to like, they need to you do like some Haley. kind of indication that they, that they donated. I Correct. donated five bucks or something Correct. like that. Or I donated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then I'll, yep. Random number generator will happen and I'll just pick five. I um, want to win. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but thanks for letting me plug myself here. And, um, that's all the updates I have on my end. Haley, we are about, what are we almost not quite two weeks eight days, 10 days. Yeah. When this Uh-oh. airs, it'll be two weeks. Okay. Oh yeah. On Thursday, which I can't believe it doesn't feel like I had those extra days of recovery, maybe because I watched the men's race and maybe because I, um, traveled, but yeah, no, I, someone was asking, we were just talking our last thing, like how long it takes to recover from an Ironman. And I said, like, I think three to four years. Um, <laughs> So maybe the rest of my life, maybe by the time I'm like 87, I'll be like, I feel recovered. Um, but then life will have gotten me, but I, uh, yeah, I'm home. Finally, I'm back in Bozeman. The fall weather is fantastic. Reunited with cowboy. Um, so I'm, I'm enjoying myself here and it has been a little bit of a rough return to reality, but I'm 
easing back into it. I did actually go for my first run since the race yesterday did 30 minutes easy and it felt pretty good. I mean, I, I, um, I didn't even wear a watch mostly because my watch is still broken. I have other, I have another watch. It just wasn't charged. We all know that this, you know, sometimes the electronics are just too much trouble. So, but I, I, it was around 30 minutes. Like I looked at the clock before I started. I looked at the clock when I finished and it was around 30 minutes. So, um, but it, it didn't feel as terrible as I thought. So, you know, maybe there's hope there. I will, I will return, <laughs> but for a little while there, it felt a little touch and go. And so we're looking now towards 70.3 world championships, which you are not racing, but do you, are you putting anything else on your calendar? Do you know yet? Yeah, I'm actually planning to race challenge or clash clash Daytona. I keep saying the wrong thing. Clash Daytona, um, in December, December 3rd, maybe I think it's a Friday race, which is kind of cool. Um, and you know, I had such a good time at Watkins Glen earlier this year where we ran on the racetrack in Watkins Glen that I was just like, you know what? I really want to do this again in Daytona. You get to ride on the racetrack and run on the racetrack. Um, I know it could be very warm, which makes me nervous, but you know, I, I have management skills, I guess, heat management, not any other kind of management. Um, but don't ask me to manage people, but, uh, um, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I think it'll be fun and it's a, it's a slightly shorter race. Um, so even if it goes bad, at least it's over quick. And, um, I just think it's going to be really fun experience. And I was just actually looking today and I was, it's like logistically much easier than I expected. There's like tons of hotels right across from the racetrack. Um, I was looking at the schedule that came out and they have like actual time for us to like see the course before race day for pros, I think, which is pretty cool. And then they, I think we race on Friday. I think that on Saturday, there's a small chance. Maybe I'll be able to like give out some medals, um, to the age group race there and that kind of thing. Um, or at least cheer on the age groupers. So I, I, you know, at first I was like, what have I got myself into? And then I looked at this and I was like, oh, this is totally doable. I even looked actually, I already booked my flight and it was not that hard. I can fly direct from Bozeman to Atlanta and then Atlanta right to Daytona on Delta. Oh, and I'm nice. like, Yes. I was like, wow, this isn't even that excessively hard. Um, you know, cause I get nervous about that East coast travel. And so I went ahead and booked it. I was like, wow. I, yeah, I don't know what got into me today, but I was just like feeling it getting excited. So hope to see some folks in Daytona and a few in, you know, we got a little while, so that's good. Yeah. You have, you definitely have a few weeks to do a nice little get yourself, you know, all the engines firing again, but I'm excited. I think you uh, will race well there. I feel like that's going to suit you. So, and like Thanks. you said, like your mentality it being shorter, it's going to feel like it just flies by, which makes it easier to go harder. I feel like. I know. And I think maybe by then, you know, it's kind of a different thing. I've done two Ironmans, you know, recently. So like very Ironman focused, um, training. And now I'm like, okay, let's, let's see if I can get some speed going. And if I can't, okay, whatever. <laughs> I'm still very riding the high of my, uh, 13th. Also, Alyssa, you know, what's happening this week. This has nothing to do with triathlon, but the number 13, maybe think of this. Oh, the new Taylor Swift album is dropping. Of course I'm on to actually, I saw that she like had updated her story or something today. And I was like, oh my God, is she doing it early? Like, come on, like give me something. Right. But I'm eagerly awaiting. I know midnight. I think it's coming. Yeah. Friday on the, October 21st. So that, um, if anyone likes, you know, to listen to Taylor Swift while they're Zwifting or they're running or the, I mean, I feel like it is perfect fall or running mountains. It was like all over in my years in New Hampshire on the mountains. Yeah. It's true. It yeah. uh, there's a few people. I coached a few people who have the underwater, like headphones that we listen to while swimming, Whoa. which that one I'm like, the voice in my head is plenty. Um, when I'm swimming <laughs> or the voice of people I have to chat with, I'd be like, 
hey, can I share your lane? Um, anyway, but some people do listen to music while swimming. So maybe Taylor Swift can get them through it. But uh, yeah, it does feel like a gift that's coming this week. And I didn't, it's like, wow, it's already October 21st. And I'm like, ah, yay. So anyway, after everyone's listened to this podcast, they can go get that album. And Haley, you know what else is exciting that I've been trying out this week that came in the mail? I get, a, I got a special delivery. I think you did too. I did. It was standing on my uh, doorstep when I got home. I had a really cool package from Try Hard. I'm, yes. I'm, I'm excited. I have not used it yet, but it is like all for feet, right? Which my feet could definitely use some TLC right now. Have you, have you been able to give everything a try? I have been giving things a try, and Haley, I'm really excited because part of my you know, I really noticed actually after COVID. So I used to have a pretty good like foot care routine and stuff. And I fell off of that during COVID because you couldn't go get a pedicure. You couldn't really do like, you know, foot care is like the least of my problems in the global pandemic. Right. But then as I started really training again, I was like, man, my feet, like, you know, I actually wasn't making up that the pedicures were like actually helpful. Um, and so, but I also like, now I live in Vermont and I live like not, I can assure you that in West Fairly, Vermont, population 600, a nail studio is not something that we have here or really too close to here. So it's not, you know, like maybe I'll go as an occasional treat, but this new try hard thing, I'm very excited to try because I think it's going to help me in that in-between time because it is, it's all about feet. So first Haley, we got this active foot, foot spray and you use it before and after working out, you use it before you spray your dry feet and then put them socks and shoes and then afterwards you can spray your feet again, but you also can spray your shoes. And my shoes always stink. So bike shoes. you can spray bike Especially, shoes. Yeah. I think, I mean, it doesn't say I, you could spray, I think anything Any that you put shoes. your feet in slippers, whatever. So, um, so far, I mean, I haven't been using it for too long, but I think it's definitely improving things. And then they gave us this, what's this official note, official exfoliating soap. And Haley, this is really cool. I love like cool packaging and stuff. And so can you see this pumice? Ooh, tone? Uh, yeah. yeah. Right on the like nozzle. Yes. It's on like the applicator, right? So applicator. You... <laughs> better, better word choice there. So you squeeze the soap out and it comes out and the design actually is kind of funny, but um, you then like rub it on your foot and the pumice stones like rubbing the calluses and super nice. And then you have clean feet and you have exfoliated feet, which is really good for foot care. And then you also have this re recovery foot soak. And so you put this in like a foot basin or you could do a bathtub and just, I, I think it would be safe for your whole body. I think that would be fine, <laughs> but you could also just put your feet in. Um, how, does it, and how does it smell? Does it smell good? It does. It smells it's made with tea tree oil and apple cider vinegar. So, oh, so um, it's going to be kind of minty, maybe. Minty. Minty, I'm trying to... I would have called it like <laughs> a eucalyptus if I had, oh, if I was like nice. on a taste test or a smell test panel, that's what I would have guessed, but it is the tea tree oil. You definitely smell that like okay. nice minty fresh. So anyway, three really fun products that I've been enjoying and Haley, our listeners can try this out from try hard. Use the code stay feisty, all caps, stay feisty, stay feisty 20 for 20% off at tryhard.co. So stay feisty 20 at tryhard.co um, to get 20% off these products and any of the other products we've talked about, the the like skincare, hair care, shower care, all of the care, self-care, all the self-care. It's basically. a good time of year for that. And, you know, especially mm -hmm. with the days getting a little bit shorter in the Northern hemisphere, 
you know, maybe you have a, you go to, you know, there's less, less, less time to do outside activities, maybe a little time, more time to do inside activities, like taking care of the feet. My feet could probably use a little care. Well, um, yeah. Now that you're in back in Bozeman and have it definitely get that sucker out of the box and you should do some kind of like a smell test going into ooh, Daytona on your you know, Instagram. I love, I love a little smell <laughs> test. Um, stay tuned. Uh, and as you, you mentioned, okay, this came in the mail. Our mailbag is still empty. Is that right? Oh, yes. Haley, the mailbag is empty. The mailbag must've been tired or something after our big mailbag episode. So, um, send in your questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And you mentioned 70.3 worlds. I think by the time this airs, we're only going to be about a week away because, uh, the women's race of course is on Friday for 70.3 world championship. So we are getting psyched. I mean, we are keeping the Kona momentum rolling right into 70.3 worlds. They're happening in St. George, Utah. And we decided to chat with American pro, uh, Amy Simmerman. She is one we think you should watch. She's made a big mark on the non-draft Olympic circuit. She made had back-to-back wins at the New York city, try podiums at the LA try and St. Anthony's. And she's landed on a few podiums at several half distance races, including most recently Cozumel 70.3, where she finished second. So we actually recorded this conversation with Amy a few weeks before Cozumel when she was training for the race there, as well as the 70.3 world championships. She was living in Florida at the time. And unfortunately, when they, when she returned back from Cozumel, she and her boyfriend, who's a fellow pro Robbie Deckard, they were hit by hurricane Ian and had severe flooding in their apartment. So we believe they've still been able to keep training and still plan to race in St. George, but we wanted to, you know, let everyone know that how things were going before that, and that they are seem to be doing okay. But if you are in St. George or online, definitely throw Amy a few extra cheers. Cause the, the road to that race, you know, start line is always really, really hard. And we know that Amy's going to have still a very solid race and it is just beginning for her. So we will have our conversation with Amy right after the break. Hi, Amy. Welcome to the iron women podcast. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So we are recording this interview in mid-September, and I believe you're currently living and training in Florida in preparation for a couple hot races that you have coming up. So how mm-hmm. is that Florida humidity treating you right now? Um, it's pretty rough. We're operating at around like 80 to 90% humidity, but I am racing Cozumel in, um, on the 25th of September, and it's literally the exact same weather. Um, so I'm just going to be super well prepared for that one. Definitely, definitely. And with your previous training base being in Boulder, Colorado, do you notice mm-hmm. a difference in like bike power run paces as you trade the altitude for humidity? I'm also personally racing at altitude this weekend coming up. So I'm like, mm-hmm. please tell me that training in humidity is helpful. <laughs> yes, for sure. It's almost like I, I think there's a saying that humidity is, is poor man's altitude training. Um, so there's definitely, um, a lot of things at play there with, with the weather. So where are you, Alyssa right now? Well, I'm in New Hampshire, but I have been doing some sauna training in preparation for I'm racing in like yeah. mammoth area. So quite high actually. So going oh, from, wow, yeah, wow, like wow, nothing wow. to 11,000 feet. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I feel like the, the heat definitely helps thicken like your blood plasma, which is almost the same thing as high altitude training. Um, at least that is the research like that, that I have done. So, um, 
so so yeah and it really it, it was definitely an adaption to to get used to going from such a dry climate to now something that was extraordinarily hot and humid and do you have like adjusted, like, do you have altitude kind of paces that you were hitting and then everything kind of got readjusted for being at sea level, but then the humidity, you know, are they about the same with that trade-off? Yeah, actually, um, Alyssa, that's exactly right. It is around the same. So I could not, uh, hit my sea level numbers. It, it was definitely hitting the altitude numbers. It, it was, it was really the same. Um, and the same thing with whether you're going to altitude or a place that's really hot and humid, there is about a week to two week adaptation period for that. This is good to know. I know it is like, it is interesting, like the trade-off and like just the things it's good for as a coach and as an athlete to know that there is something impacting your workouts when you are at high altitude or you are in a very hot and humid climate and it's not just you, but, um, for you sure. alluded to, to racing 70.3 Cozumel at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. And I believe you also have the Ironman 70.3 world championships in St. George coming up in mm -hmm. October. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we know Cozumel is going to be hot and humid. St. George mm -hmm. could be hot, but you don't, you don't yeah. know. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. but you can't hurt to prepare. Um, last time I was there, it was quite hot. Um, so what was, is the focus of your season? Has that been the 70.3 worlds and Cozumel is, is designed to set you up for that race? Was that the plan? Good question. Um, I like 70.3 worlds and qualifying. It really wasn't on my radar. Um, qualifying just kind of happened a couple months ago when I was, was when I was in Andorra and did 70.3 Andorra and happened to qualify there. So then that did make me pivot and kind of reevaluate the season and the training. Um, so that's definitely the priority race is worlds at the end of October. And then, um, ideally kind of training through Cozumel. Um, and obviously being here in Florida, I think will help me in, in both of the races. Um, as you said, Haley, just it being hot. Um, it looks like worlds is going to be hot again. So, um, I really hope I'm going to be well adapted for both these races. And we'll definitely get back to talk more about uh, St. George, but between your Boulder mm -hmm. to Florida move, it looks like you went on mm -hmm. a little bit of a European adventure. You raced your way yeah. onto the podium at challenge. Oh, this is always going to get me. Walsh C. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm going to skip it and just say the challenge race in Austria. And I was like, no, let's see if you can do this. Is it Walsh C? Is that how you say it's, it? Just how it looks? I think it's boxy. I don't, but like, don't, I said it wrong. That, like that sounds right. Yeah. There. Boxy. I like that. Boxy, boxy. Yeah. Anyway, the, yeah. the lovely challenge race in Austria and the Ironman 70.3 in Andorra in the Pyrenees mountains between France and Spain, which is just spectacular. So, but we know you have a background in draft legal racing, which like usually involves a lot of travel. So were you quite used to kind of that? And have you always been someone who used sport to see different areas of the world? Or was this like pure business for you? It was definitely a mix of both. Um, I think every triathlete knows how cumbersome it is to travel as a triathlete. Um, I think while I was in Europe, there were so many times where I was like, oh my gosh, I wish I was just a runner where I just had one suitcase that was it, not this big bike bag to <laughs> tow behind me. Um, so the traveling in Europe, it is something I'm definitely accustomed to. Um, so, but at, at the same time, I had to find a balance between, 
I, I wanted to go sightseeing and have fun and experience the culture. But at the same time, I knew that I was there to try and get on the podium um, if I could and really execute good racing. So I just had to find a balance um, and not eat too many croissants and baguettes when I was over there and indulge too much wine. Um, but there was, there was time for that. Um, but yeah, like I said, definitely maintaining a balance between the two. How many croissants are too many croissants? <laughs> I feel like that's one of those, the limit does not exist. <laughs> but, um, that's an over existential there. question. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, but, and also these races, your posts from Europe, it makes it seem like you're learning a lot from each race. And I think you just raced your first 70.3 distance in 2021. So it hasn't been that long that you've been racing this, I guess, quote unquote, middle distance, uh, non-drafting style racing. So what do you feel like you learned from those races in Europe? I think the biggest thing is adaptability and being flexible. Um, it's, I think it's really important to have a plan, but multiple plans behind that when things don't go the way that they're supposed to go. For example, when I was in Andorra, it was at, I was debating for so long in my head between, should I use a, a, a TT bike that I had with me? I, I just brought one bike, TT bike, or because there are 6,000 feet of climbing, or do I go and rent a road bike that I've never been on and um, be a little bit better handling on the descents and a little bit faster on the climbs um, with that. So um, that was one of the biggest things was to, okay, like plan A was this and I had a plan B, then I had a plan C, um, just kind of based off of, could I get a bike over there? Is it gonna feel comfortable riding on something completely new? Um, so I just had multiple plans in place, just, um, depending on what I could work with, um, on the course. What did you do? Yeah, I know. I'm dying for the answer. What bike did you ride? (laughs) I rode, I rode on the TT and, um, I honestly think if I could do it again, I would ride on the road bike because like I said, there were 6,000 feet of climbing and it was so twisty. It was the most technical course I've ever been on. Um, but I did have these plans in place, like um, found a bike shop, was going to do this road bike with this setup. And I had multiple different avenues that I was looking at, um, and just had to do a lot of research. And, um, ultimately, like I said, decided on the TT, because I think it's, it's also important when you're in Europe. And one of the things that I learned is to be also be comfortable because everything is so new over there. So it is important to make sure that you are controlling everything you can control by being just comfortable at the same time. And so I'm, I'm trying to think back because Ash Gentle won and you were second. Is that right? At that mm-hmm. race, mm-hmm. was she mm-hmm. on a road bike or no, she, she, no, she was on a TT bike and okay. she really put so much time into me. Um, obviously she's actually gentle. Um, hello, but at the, it's, it's because there were so many twists and turns, it was really important to know the course. So if I, I think if I spent more time on the course and knowing every single corner, every single turn, a TT bike could be faster for sure. Okay. And were you able to, when you, during your travels, like what was the training like, um, were you, you know, getting to do some of those iconic climbs that we see during all those grand tours and on the bike and that kind of thing? For the most part, like yes, yes and no. So I was based in Font-Rameau, France, um, during during the two months that I was over there. 
And yep, that was, that's in the Pyrenees. I didn't do any of the large climbs, but all of those like small twisty roads that you would see on the Tour de France, we were on and that was just so much fun riding that. And my handling skills definitely got a lot better on the TT bike. Like, let me tell you, you're forced to get better on a bicycle by riding in those small winding roads. Did you like it? Was it fun? Like, was it fun just to like train in an environment like that? Yeah. I was also scared to death. I'm like, if this is the place to create, like, this is, I need to watch myself, um, like head on a swivel. Um, cause the roads are so small, like a tractor could be going one way and you're going another and you have to like figure it out really quick. Um, but it was just like the most beautiful place I've ever been to. And were you with a, were you able to train with a group or are you training by yourself on all these like new roads and new conditions? No, I, I was training, um, with my boyfriend, Robbie Deckard, um, another pro triathlete. So it was really just the two of us there as two triathletes, but in Font Rameau, there are so many that that's like a hub, um, for training. So I know, um, Blumenfeld and Gustav Eden are there right now. Um, Joe Skipper was there when we were there, there was a lot of runners coming in and out, but for the most part, I was either solo or I was with Robbie. And Amy, we mentioned you started in triathlon via draft legal racing, but you've also been able to take advantage of a few recent Olympic distance, non-drafting races winning the New York city triathlon, both in 2021 and 2022 and landing on the podium at the LA triathlon and St. Anthony. So what is it about these races that really seems to suit you? Do you think? (laughs) Um, because they're not middle distance and they're shorter. Um, it, it was just easier for me to go from ITU to Olympic and then to middle distance that the Olympic distance is so much more doable (laughs) for me. Um, it really is a big jump going from the sprint try to, um, a middle distance one, at least, at least it was for me. I think what it really boils down to is I'm, I'm a really competitive person. And so since the Olympic distance racing is shorter and the field is, is finishing closer together, Um, I actually feel like I'm engaged in the race. I can see people ahead of me. Um, when I get off the bike, there's, I can seek down the road. There's, there's girls ahead of me. So that's really, really, really motivating. And I don't always get that in the middle distance racing. After your 2021 New York city try win, you posted that you were thankful for the paycheck and most of it, most of your triathlon winnings were going toward medical bills from past traumatic injuries. Can you tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about that path back to physical and financial health? Yeah, that's, that's such a good question. Um, in 2019, I broke my collarbone 2018. I first started the sport 2019. I broke my collarbone. I was like, this is a bad omen. I was like, maybe I should just not do this. (laughs) Um, and so I had to have surgery on it. And it just developed into a chronic injury, unfortunately. So my my right shoulder has a plate and screws in it and my shoulder has never felt the same ever since. So I have to have almost continuous physical therapy, um, soft tissue work done on it. Um, I recently found out that I have to get another like decompression surgery um, on the upper bicep tendon here. I'm just kind of trying to starve off with more chiropractic work and and physical therapy work. So over 
the past since 2019, so in the past three years that I've been rehabbing my shoulder, it's just been a lot of medical bills on medical bills on medical bills just to kind of, it, it does cost a lot of money to see great physical therapists and chiropractics. Um, and I'm willing, like I was willing and able to invest that money. Uh, like I was like, well, spend $2 to make one has kind of been my motto. And I'm, I'm just really hoping it's, it's going to pay off. And what about when you're traveling and stuff? Do you have, like, I know a lot of us manage the little things. This is yours is like a big thing, right? That you're trying to manage mm-hmm. while you're traveling, while you're in Europe. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like one time I found a masseuse in Switzerland and it was like one of the hardest ordeals I've ever. And I was like riding my, yeah. I mean, you only have your bike as your transportation, right? And I would like yeah. yep. ride my bike, like 10 K up this like mountain by accident. Cause I like scheduled mm-hmm. it up the mountain to go see him. And like, yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not easy in the U S sometimes to find good care and it's, it can yeah. be really challenging abroad. So how do you manage it when you're traveling? So right when I get into an area, I try and find out who, like what, what athletes are there. And then from those athletes, like, what are, what are they doing? What are they using? So for example, um, when I was in Font Rameau, France, um, Joel Filial squad was there. So I asked Taylor Spivey who she was working with. Um, and just from there, I immediately found, a a, a PT, and massage therapist who actually would come into our Airbnb and work on me. So I didn't, I didn't have to go anywhere. I didn't need a car to go anywhere. So she just like, she came right to me, which was amazing. That worked out really well. And does that impact your, your swimming at all? I just imagine like a shoulder collarbone pain. Ouch. That was one of the reasons, unfortunately, that I decided to switch from non sorry the draft legal side to the non-draft racing because I really just couldn't put the volume needed in the pool yeah those bits been really hard well now we are seeing a bit more uh a bit more racing opportunities like we mentioned some of those non or non-drafting Olympic distance races that have come back with prize money. Um, and then we have these PTO open races that are happening. There are the hundred K distance and the PTO mm-hmm. rankings are based off of races longer than Olympic distance, but it seems mm-hmm. like you, you know, you might be a good candidate for that hundred K distance. Have you uh, tried applying for a wild card entry for either of the races in Edmonton or Dallas this year? I did not for Edmonton, but I did for Dallas. Yes. Um, I remember I reached out to, yeah, to the PTO, to Dylan, um, asking for one, but I just don't think it worked out. Maybe that just the timing wasn't right for that. So, but for sure, that is 100% something that I would continue to target in the future because yeah, that's a lot of money on the line. Um, and I would love to throw my hat in the ring and, and, and see what I could make of that for sure. Come on, Dylan, get her a spot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got Cosmel. Go. You got Cosmel. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I've probably done both, but but exactly. yeah, for next year, for next year, we gotta get yeah, get you yeah. in those. But oh, for sure, I would love that. And Amy, going team back USA, to the, team oh, USA, team USA. No, I'm not. Haley, Haley and I will like just funnel the, the talent in. <laughs> we have zero. Be my, be my Yeah. <laughs> um, but Amy, going back to St. George, you raced there last October in a draft legal Olympic distance race. So are you excited oh. to return for a different format for 70.3 world championships? Yes. Um, and I know the course pretty well. 
So when COVID hit in, in 2020, I actually sent it to St. George. Um, Utah at the time was pretty open in there and, and the Sand Hollow Reservoir is open all year round. So um, I went there and I got a lot of swimming in and was riding on the roads over there. So very, very familiar with the area, with St. George in general. Um, yeah, I'm definitely hoping to do better than I did at that one ITU race um, in St. George in October of last year. That wasn't um, a super good result for me. So definitely coming back for some redemption, redemption in St. George in general. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. Yeah, it, it could be hot. Um, it could not. The weather could be volatile, but one thing's for sure, it's definitely going to be a lot of really good names in that race. And it's a challenging course. So I'm just super excited for that, for that challenge. Right. Because as we've talked about, uh, Florida has plenty of heat and humidity, but it isn't really known for hills. So are you able to do anything like any kind of training in Florida that kind of simulate the demands of a hilly course like St. George? Yeah, good question. So the main thing that I can do here is locate and like high torque work on the bike. And then on the run, there is, I think there's just one hill out here and you're right. Everything else is completely pancake flat. So um, I could do hill repeats, but for the most part, if I want to simulate hills on the run, it's the treadmill. And if I want to simulate hills on the bike, it's located. Can you give us like a, an example kind of treadmill session? I mean, cause I'm sure we have listeners who, who are in similar situations, you know, they live in mm -hmm. places that don't have a lot of hill access and they might be headed to St. George and, you know, being like, oh my goodness, how do I do this? Um, you know, do I just like run up that one bridge? But, um, but yeah, yeah, is there any favorite treadmill workout that you usually do? Yeah. I love doing three minute intervals of, um, a hill like a gradient that you can still keep good turnover on um so it'd be like eight by three minutes of an incline maybe that's three percent and i'll do on just one minute rest like i may even like step off the treadmill and just rest while it's still going um and then and then hop back on so that's eight by three minutes um that makes treadmill running go by so fast let me tell you I, I I absolutely hate the treadmill <laughs> so um any type of like structure there is um the better so that's what I've been doing to simulate the the hill training over here I love it and Haley and I love doing wacky things at the gym treadmill so jumping on and off is <laughs> right up our sleeves this is yeah that's good stuff um, amazing Amy, with this being your rookie appearance at a world championship, do you have any performance expectations? How are you doing the goal setting process for yourself for this one? Yeah, that's a good question. I don't have any goals. Um, that's actually how I approach most of my racing, to be completely honest with you. I, it, it's, it's always open-ended um, just because I don't want to limit myself nor do I want to put pressure on myself. Um, so the only goals I have are going to be nutrition-based, making sure I'm taking in enough calories and liquid on the bike and the same thing with the run. So that's gonna be absolutely crucial. And then for the swim, I think the only goal I have is really 
about cadence and about positioning in the water, seeing, seeing if I could be a little bit more strategic with the feet that I get on. Um, but in, in terms of the outcome, since I have zero control over that, I just kind of choose to not think about it. And Amy, you started triathlon after a collegiate running career at St. Lawrence University, which is somewhat typical of pro triathletes, but your story is a little different because I think you also grew up as a competitive Nordic skier. So Alyssa has taken up skate skiing. Um, I tried it once and gave up, retired, um, but we all know winter is coming. So do you have any tips for Alyssa and her Nordic ski development? Yes. Alyssa, are you going to be in Pennsylvania? during this time? No, I'll be up in like Vermont, New Hampshire. Did I say, Haley, when I said it earlier, did I say I was in New Hampshire? <laughs> where did I say I, I was? I, I can't remember where you said. Yeah. Oh no, okay. <laughs> I know, I was like, wait, do you, do you live in Vermont now? Oh, well, it's funny Vermont? because, yeah, I do live in Vermont he did now, just but move. it's funny. I, I did just move from New Hampshire to Vermont and they're very you close. You might have said New like, Hampshire. I think I said New Hampshire. But then Amy, and then when you said Pennsylvania, I was like, now I don't know what I said that I, where I said I live, but anyway, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> but I am, I'm a hundred percent in Vermont. And so I will continue to be in Vermont, which is a great place. I think for this. Yes. Oh my gosh. It is. I remember. So in college, we would go to the Von Trapp family lodge. I don't know how Ooh. far away. It's not far. Is. It's like an hour. I think. Yeah, it's close. Oh my gosh. That's so amazing. Um, the, the, I think the biggest thing is skiing like first do skiing without any poles involved it's really all about balance um a lot of people will fall because these skis are so long like they're ridiculously long they're almost like like your body length um so just removing the poles and just getting your feet underneath you your feet need to, need to stay like tight underneath you and using your glutes the entire time do you so still do any ski training in the winter for yourself or have you like moved on with triathlon? No, good question. So I definitely try and get in a Nordic ski season when I can. So last winter was the only winter I was actually in a snowy location. Every other winter I've just been like, I hate this, I'm going. And I'll usually go to someplace warmer for some, some sort of camp. Last summer, I got in a, like a full season. I got in a full six weeks of, of Nordic skiing as just a part of my base training. I really felt like that helped my, um, yeah, my base because it's so similar to triathlon. It's the same engine. It's the same system, the same muscles as cycling. And so, um, yeah, where I, where I live, there's a lot of groomed trails area. So I was out there three, four days a week. I love it. And I love, I haven't, well, I've been to the Von Trapp, um, compound. I don't know what you would call that like area. <laughs> it's like a huge, yeah, yeah. giant, amazing place in the summer. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. but I haven't been in the winter yet, so I'll have to try that out. And I like it cause you can get those giant German soft pretzels there or Bavarian. Ooh, yum. Yeah. Ooh, I could do that like, part of skiing. That'll yes. drive me to go do it. <laughs> can I just do I the do pretzels yeah. and the hot tub? That's all I want. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I tried the no poles thing. Someone did tell me that yeah. I tried that. And it was just like, I just fell over quicker, but it was great. Um, I need to try it again, maybe one of these days, but with a oh, soft sure. pretzel, I could be convinced. And Amy, I think oh. in the past you've been involved as a league mentor with voice in sport, which is like a community of girls and women in sports that are experts offering advice to other athletes. Are you still involved with that? And if yes, can you tell us about the program and how you got involved? 
Yeah, another great question. I'm not super involved at the moment since I do have a part-time job as an academic advisor at Pikes Peak Community College. And so the reason why I was interested in the voice and sport role was because I feel like I already do the same thing with my job um, as, a, as, a, as an academic counselor. So it's still like the same role as being a counselor and working with um, either a student or an athlete one-on-one. -on -one. And so what I know with voice and sport is you can either sign up for a one-on-one -on -one session or maybe a group um, session. And you talk about a topic that's pretty relevant, especially in, in women's sports. Um, one of the biggest ones is, is body image, nutrition, um, training, training with your menstrual cycle, things that can definitely help that might've been taboo subjects that maybe you don't feel comfortable talking about with your coach or, or with your parents, but that you definitely feel comfortable talking about with an athlete or um, a professional or even a, an Olympian. I know Colleen Quigley was a part of this program um, at some point, which I think is really awesome because you can learn tips and just overall life advice from these other women. And, and it's pretty empowering. And what about being a college advisor? How is that? And I mean, are, how, how are, do you feel like the next generation is promising? <laughs> Tell us, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I really like it. So I work for community college and this is out of Colorado Springs. So when I first started triathlon, I moved to the Springs and I got involved with this community college. And I really, really like it because I work one-on-one -on -one with students and we look at where they want to go. They know that they want to get a bachelor's degree um, in biology, psychology, uh, political science, whatever. And then I help uh, navigate how they should get there. Do you feel sometimes like it's very, very similar to navigating professional athlete life? and like getting yourself through that? Yes, um, though a lot of these students have a lot going on. Um, like every student is so different. They could be an 80 year old veteran or um, a single mom that's working two jobs or the college student that maybe like partied too much and then is taking a semester to go to community college. So every student is different, which I think is is vastly different from like the athlete lifestyle, but in terms of like navigating curveballs, it is 100% the same. Like athletes deal with that all the time. And I think community college students or just college students in general just um, need help navigating. Helps, so. keep, helps keep you grounded when you're in Andorra and deciding which bike to ride, right? Exactly, no, exactly. <laughs> Uh, well, Amy, thank you so much for chatting with us. Best of luck to you in Cozumel. And we will definitely be watching there and at the 70.3 World Championships coming up very quickly. So good luck with the rest of your training. And we look forward to watching you in those races. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you to Amy for coming on the show. We wish her the best of luck in the 70.3 Worlds. And Alyssa, we have so much more 70.3 Worlds coming. Uh, next week, we're going to have a good preview show featuring Jocelyn Wong, who is going to be our expert guest. Um, the Wong star. I know. Okay. And I, she did tell me that for Kona, she was actually she the only person in Kelly O'Mara's triathlon-ish uh, 
I guess they had a contest to pick to pick Chelsea Sidero for the win. So the Wongster has really good track record with predictions. So I'm very interested to hear who who she's predicting for a great day in St. George next week. I know I'm very excited to get Jocelyn's perspective on everything. And I did see that she had nailed that pick too, which we all know that I also had picked Chelsea as my dark mare and I still want to, you know, ride that horse to the end that I can. So um, I'm very, really happy to have Jocelyn on. That's always a fun preview show. And it's, it feels like we just did one, but we just did. And I love championship racing season. It's, it's really fun when the stakes are high and you get to kind of feel like you're, you're betting on your friends. Yes. And since we do have a empty mailbag, if any of our listeners want to send in their picks, we might pick a few and read them on air. And, uh, you know, so send those to iron women podcast at gmail.com. We usually do first, second, third. So that podium. And then if there is a dark mare, dark horse, someone you think that maybe has been a little left off the radar, but could make a uh, big splash in St. George include that as well. And, uh, Alyssa, I will talk to you next week. Bye Haley. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Amelia Perry and produced by Ella Natitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, events, stories, and fresh perspectives. Thanks for listening.